Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay. Built in Atlanta, OnPay is the top-rated payroll and HR software anywhere. Get one month free at OnPay.com. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Small Business Fuel Radio. I'm your host, Paul Wilson, Jr. I'm the area director of the UGA Small Business Development Center at Georgia State University. And of course, uh, we use this platform to educate, inspire, and uplift uh, small businesses. And of course, we want to provide you with the resources that you need to be successful. And so, of course, the guests that we bring on this show um, definitely, they're going to bring expertise, insights, um, and uh, resources to help you, again, navigate um, just the environment that you're in right now. And so I'm excited today. We have another incredible guest. I'm going to introduce um, him. So for some, I'm introducing others I'm presenting. Uh, but again, I'm delighted to introduce to you Ashley DeBell. Ashley serves as the SBA Regional Administrator for Region 4, as well as he is also the Entrepreneurship Policy Advisor of the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council. As the SBA Region 4 Administrator, Ashley oversees SBA programs, offices, and operations across the southeastern United States, where thousands of aspiring and existing entrepreneurs receive high-quality assistance, including SBA-backed loans. Ashley recently served and was appointed by the President as the White House Policy Advisor for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. He is the SBA's point person for the agency's role in the Nationwide Opportunity um, Opportunity Zone effort. Ashley is a seasoned entrepreneur, having opened the doors to his first business while he was still in law school at age 22 in the heart of Gainesville, Georgia, Georgia's African-American community. A lawyer by trade, Ashley began his career as a public defender and went on to become a trial attorney and co-founder of, of a law firm based in Atlanta, Georgia. He brings an enthusiasm and commitment to his work at SBA and the White House, born out of a personal understanding of the challenges and successes small business owners face. He knows firsthand the transformative power and positive impact they have not only on the lives of their employees, but also on the communities they serve. These personal experiences fuel Ashley's dedication and tireless tenacity to promote Opportunity Zones and the mission of the WHORC, which was developed as part of the president's commitment to all Americans, including those living in underserved and rural communities. Ashley, he's received many accolades for his demonstrated leadership. Notably, he was recognized in 2016 as one of the top 40 young lawyers by the American Bar Association. He was a 21st Century Leadership Fellow at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government and holds an honorary doctorate from Lighthouse College. Ashley earned his law degree at Louisiana State University, home of the 2019 National Champion Fighting Tigers. It has been said of him, Ashley is a true leader skilled communicator, and a devoted advocate for the small business community. He's a strong voice for small business owners across the country. Ashley shares his life and his love with his wife, Lauren, and their three children. Please welcome Mr. Ashley Bell to Small Business Fuel. Ashley, that's a mouthful. Hey, bro, I thank you for taking the time to say all that. You know, this is, uh, uh, I just try to shorten my bio to just trying to be helpful. And I appreciate you allowing me to be with you today to uh, be helpful to those who are taking the time to listen with us. And I know you do that every day with the work that you do with the SBDC. And we appreciate you for that. Uh, and I've enjoyed working with you. And I, and I hope that this conversation is one of many that we can continue to have about how we can all strengthen uh, our economy and our small businesses that need it so desperately right now. So I thank you for your time and I appreciate the opportunity. 
Absolutely. No, definitely. Again, definitely my pleasure of having you. And, and one of the reasons why actually I did want to read that, and in particular, it was the areas that, that spoke to, uh, right, you being an entrepreneur. Because oftentimes people think of, you know, those who work in government as being kind of disconnected from many of the policies, let's say, that they either oversee or implement. But I think right. it's important for people to, you know, as a business owner and, and what, what experiences are do you bring to the job um, in your role as yeah. an, the administrator from being an entrepreneur? Well, I can tell you, you know, Georgia State is is just a prime location downtown Atlanta. And I started, you know, my uh, my law firm was one of the first businesses. I've started probably four or five, five or six businesses in my life. Um, you know, like every entrepreneur, some did really well. My, my law practice did really well. My retail uh, chain that I started at 22 did really well. Uh, but I started, you know, my law practice in a very, you know, in a small room, two blocks from MLK, uh, downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And a you know three hundred square foot uh, room, if that, and then you know here we are you know ten years later we're in you know six different states from New York to California, multi million dollar firm that has national litigation. So I know what it's like to start from uh, you know have an idea in your head and a dream in your heart and wanting to find a way of taking care of the people you care about, which are your family and all the people who you uh, want to serve. You know, for me, it, it begins with uh, when I was you know twenty one years old and I wanted to start a retail chain because I grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, where I lived in what many people have across the country and around the city and the state, uh, retail desert. Right. Many of us come from communities that are called deserts. You have retail deserts, you have healthcare deserts, you have food deserts, uh, just places and spaces where capital isn't flowing and innovation can't thrive because of systemic issues that our country has faced, especially minority communities. Right. So I know what it's like to want to start something in those neighborhoods. And I did it when I was 21 for one reason. I wanted to be able to hire people who I knew I went to school with and who lived in my neighborhood who nobody else would hire because they had been previously convicted. Uh, They have had troubles with the criminal justice system. But I knew if I was an entrepreneur and if I put on my application, you know, just tell me about your character. Tell me about why you want to work here. And I don't make them put check a box that could box them out of an opportunity that I can make a difference. And ever since then, that's what I've been trying to do. Absolutely. And, and, and that's significant, right? Because again, we know a lot of people have made mistakes, uh, but, but the opportunity to be able to kind of pick yourselves up and that's, you know, the, also the beauty of being an entrepreneur, right. Yep. Of, 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 in some cases not having the same type of barriers, all those different barriers, but different types of barriers, right. Um, right. as, as your business owner, um, and, and get an opportunity to start a business. And so of course, you know, we're, we're in this, a very challenging time, right. Uh, coming through, um, you know, this, this pandemic, and and the, the federal government and the SBA um, really turned very quickly, right, to create a, a disaster loan program of something that, that we've never seen unprecedented in terms of just the, the, the amount of right the, the amount of the program. So could you speak a little to just the, this overall kind of SBA disaster loan um, environment? A lot of people have heard about it, but also the impact that, it, that it's made. If you have any information you could share about that. Yes. So the, the, the CARES Act was passed bipartisan, um, you know, in both houses of Congress, and it was negotiated by the president and, and Secretary Mnuchin to be a shot in the arm to the economy that was desperately needed as we, uh, as a nation, asked our friends and family to dis- social distance, to close uh, their stores so that people could remain safe and we could save lives. And because of that request, uh, a very noble request, America did what it had to do, we sacrificed. But now is, you know, during that time, we wanted to make sure that people did not, you know, lose their jobs and uh, and we didn't destroy families by not having the resources they need to survive during this time as they stayed home and stayed safe. 
So the CARES Act is something the president negotiated. We gave us an opportunity to create the payroll protection program, which has been an iconic piece of legislation that just just past week proved to be successful. We've been losing jobs by millions every week. And for the first time, we saw the results of the payroll protection program hitting the economy and the economy created 2.5 million jobs, uh, over 2.5 million jobs last week uh, for for the month. And what's great about that is that you saw 283,000 of that go to African-Americans. Uh, you saw 683,000 of that go to Hispanics. So I think that you're seeing, you know, this 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 CARES Act has put us in a situation where um, it's working. So what it does is it's a public-private partnership to where the banks can get the money out uh, directly to you. But, but here's a challenge for for people like like you and me who work with those businesses that need help. Um, what you and I will see more than more than not are people that can't afford to pay somebody else to do to fill out their PPP application. Right. You know, and so yep. they come to you because you're at the SBDC and you can give them that technical assistance. And I think that, that this is where the heart of, of, of where we are now. We have one hundred and thirty billion dollars left in that program. So if you listen to this today, mm-hmm. the money's still there. Uh, we, we need people to come to your SBDC. We need people to get technical assistance because right now the businesses that need it aren't applying because they think it's too complicated. They think right. it's too cumbersome. We just passed last week the Payroll Flexibility Act. The Payroll Flexibility Act gives way more flexibility to the program. So now 40% of your uh, loan that you get from PPP, you can go to putting back into the economy to pay your bills uh, instead of the 75%. So we increase that to allow 40% to go back into paying bills. 24 weeks to cover, uh, you got up to 24 weeks to cover your payroll instead of eight. Um, you know, we just, we, we did everything we could to create flexibility. So we hope that people will reach out to you, reach out to SBA office, our great you know, director, Terry Dennison in, in Atlanta. And right. make sure you take advantage of this program. The money is there. Uh, it is a critical piece of the puzzle to get people back on the road to recovery. Uh, I agree de- definitely with every point you just made. And, and one of the things, again, like that challenge that we have seen is is misinformation and people coming to us and, and telling us why they're ineligible, but they never applied. Right. And then we're kind of having to un- unpack and unwrap like, no, yeah. that's not true. Right. There, there, there's still right. money available. You can still go get this loan. Right. Because you fit the, the criteria. And so absolutely education is a big part of what we do and just helping people really understand what's really available um, you know, to them um, uh, from that standpoint. Right. So, you know, I think that, you know, what we have to do going forward is, is, you know, continue to let people know the resources are there through the SBDCs for technical assistance to continue to let them know the actual banks are accepting new customers. But then I think, you know, what we have to do is think about, you know, what happens next. Right. So by forcing everyone to go to a bank, it reaches all those people that you and I know may have had no banking relationship before. So now we're forcing tens of thousands of minority and women and other entrepreneurs into the system. So now we have to make sure that now that they're there, this is when you and I work together to say, look, now that you have this banking relationship, let's make sure you understand all the ways that you can leverage credit and debt to grow your business. So yes, you got a PPP loan that we want to make sure is forgiven, but you ever thought about having a micro loan, something that could put you on a bankable spectrum to get you to being able to have ability to leverage credit and debt, because it's not just about having debt for debt's sake. We want to make sure people have strong cash flows because strong cash flows allow people to be invested in. And that feeds into other things that we've seen uh, promoted in this administration, which is like opportunity zones. If I'm going to get an opportunity zone fund to invest in an opportunity zone business, they want to see cash flow. Best way to have good cash flow, know how to leverage debt, debt and, um, and interest, credit. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, you, you talked about um, people kind of being forced to engage with banks and men have done it before. And I think what we've also seen is that people, this is the first time many of them in, been introduced to the SBA, right? Or even the SBDC and many business owners not realizing all the resources that actually were already available. Um, but now they're seeing, right, things that they can take advantage of in addition to the disaster loans. You, you mentioned a couple of those programs. Um, so maybe there's a couple other things that, that people need to know about the SBA that they don't know if they've only seen it from the spectrum of the disaster loan. But the other resources that are really available to them as a business owner. Yeah. So I think that the, the key is that you want to make sure that you understand the three C's with us. And that's, yes, we help you get access to capital. So whether that's a PPP loan, which you can turn to a grant whether it's our disaster loans, whether it is uh, SBA 504 or 7A, uh, let's figure out how we can help you get access to capital to grow your business. And then, you know, I think it's also the counseling arm, you know, working with SBDC and our SCORE friends, making sure that you're not in this alone. Uh, You know, people are really good at, you know, what they're good at. You know, they're good engineers, they're good computer techs, they're good lawyers. But it necessarily mean that none of us would have got an MBA or we're good at business. And so we want you to, you know, have that technical assistance so you can be better at business to make sure your profits are strong. The, the, the biggest, you know, so one of the saddest tasks we have out there is that minority entrepreneurs have 30% of the profits of other counterparts, uh, meaning mm-hmm. that they have the exact same amount of gross receipts, but only have 30% of the profits. Now, that, that right there is a technical assistance issue. That means that we right. have to find a way of making sure they know exactly how to invest in themselves, invest in their businesses, negotiate better leases, negotiate better contracts with vendors, because that 70% that they're wasting could be put into growing their business, hiring more people, and expanding their footprint. Absolutely. And, and that's that's a significant portion. I know um, uh, John O'Brien on the call we were on recently even spoke to the issue of, you know, 90, 95, 96 percent of right of uh, minority entrepreneurs across the country are, are, are solo entrepreneurs. Right. Only have one employee. And that right. speaks to that need for capacity building. Right. And, and the resources that are available to really help these businesses grow. So then it can be not just businesses, but also help drive employment. Um, right. for many communities that actually need job creators right in those communities. Right. Absolutely. And I think that call was a great example of what we can do together and what uh, our opportunities can be, and, you know, exactly. Cause we have, um, you know, that call had 109,000 people on it and that call allowed us to reach people that needed to be reached who just normally wouldn't have been uh, interested in, in hearing about a government program because they didn't, they, they haven't seen it work for anybody that they know. So right. we were able to put on the call people that um, had had pastors, faith leaders who now are eligible for SBA funds and SBA programs. Uh, we had T.I. on the call who was, you know, an entrepreneur himself, able to talk about, you know, what he is doing uh, in the community to help promote small business and entrepreneurship. But I think that's, that's just, uh, you know, a big part of it for all of us right now is how can we talk about that, that taking your business to the next level? Uh, don't just it, it's, it's, it's survival right now, but we're flipping the mode, flipping the switch to, to focus on recovery, but take right. the challenges that COVID has presented and use them as an opportunity. Absolutely. And, and speaking of recovery, of course, I um, want you to talk a little bit about your role with the White House Opportunity and Revitalization yes. Council and, and what you're doing across the country um, in areas of entrepreneurship and even minority entrepreneurship. Well, I appreciate that. You know, my role at the White House right now has been one that has allowed me to travel the country, get a chance to meet phenomenal entrepreneurs across the country. And I think that 
uh, you know, being able to advise this president on the roles of entrepreneurship uh, and what and the role entrepreneurship plays in our country has been impactful. And I hope that my advice as it comes to crafting PPP policy as, as it comes to making sure our CDFIs are put in a position to really, you know, reach that last mile of entrepreneur, the folks that are hard to reach. Uh, has been beneficial. You know, it's, 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 you know, what we saw in the second round of PPP, one of the things that I, I was happy to advocate for was the fact that we set aside $10 billion for community development financial institutions and then gave them access to the federal portal through the Payroll Protection Liquidity Fund. It basically takes CDFIs, local community credit unions and local institutions that many are minority owned and led to give them access to cash so they can get it to the community, places that people know, people that, uh, uh, that they're comfortable with. And I think that's been important. And so um, I'm in Dallas right right now, uh, traveling uh, with the White House to make sure that we're we're continuing that message all across the country to make sure that people know um, the policy that's being put forth has been uh, only been beneficial because we're listening. We talk to small businesses. We make sure that they are able to communicate directly with people like me. I will meet you in your neighborhood. I'll meet you at the barbershop. I'll meet you mm-hmm. right. at your Black Chamber of Commerce. And then we will figure out together these best policies and I'll take that back to the White House. And that's why we've been successful, because we've been working together from a community driven, results driven uh, perspective. Absolutely. And, and, and that's what's critical, right? It, it has the it starts at the top, but it has to get down to that grassroots level uh, where, where the individual businesses are operating uh, to really understand, right, what's really available in, 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 in here. And I think that's one of the key things that I understand what your role is. So you're listening right, to what the needs are at the ground level, right, of these business owners, so then it can be brought back to those who actually have the, the ability to actually write those policies. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, it's, what's unique about it is that, you know, you haven't, we haven't seen an administration that have policy advisors in the field. You know, policy advisors for, for most federal government positions, they live in D.C., they're in the, they're in the bubble, they're in, they're in the beltway. Uh, but having policy advisors that are in the field able to advise on policy that they're seeing actually affected in the field in the community is an important change. One that I think this administration did that was spot on. It gives us a chance to be out here talking to folks like you every day. When you tell me, hey, actually, you know, these banks are, you know, are not uh, having the technical assistance needed to do these, you know, uh, independent contractor loans or PPP are these, you know, uh, uh, sole proprietors. We need to figure this out. And that gives me a chance to to not only just you know, hear that firsthand and talk to those folks who go back to the White House and say, look, this is exactly what I'm seeing. This is exactly how we need to streamline these applications. We can't make it overburdensome on those that already are at a disadvantage. And I think it's been important. And so we've seen a tremendous effect by, you know, getting outside of D.C. and going into the community and listening to folks and then taking back that that information to create good policy. Absolutely. And so, um, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, you being an entrepreneur and, and as we think about recovery um, from your personal experience as an entrepreneur, what, what would you share? Maybe two or three things uh, to an entrepreneur right now who's kind of are kind of facing that crossroads and trying to figure out, OK, what do I do now as you move forward from again, from your you, you have a, again, a, a government position, but you're an entrepreneur too. anything that you would share. Yeah, um, I, I think that's the, the best advice I could I would give folks, uh, and I'm still an entrepreneur, and, and I'll say this, you know, it's, it's like that song, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to always be thinking about what's going to happen next. And right now, things may be uncertain, but what we do know is that if you are in certain sectors of this economy, the way you do business is fundamentally changed forever. And that's not a bad thing. That just means it's time for you to do what you do best. Innovate, be creative, find efficiencies, find ways of reaching new markets. Um, because the businesses that come out of this are going to thrive 
are going to be the ones that we're thinking about how can they better best serve the new economy? How can they make sure they're using technology uh, to best benefit them? And, and, and that is the number one thing I can, I can say. Technology will change at the speed of the conditions of the marketplace. Um, and the marketplace is changing. People who do not invest in technology and do not invest with making sure that they can access people and information quickly, those are going to be the businesses that we will have a hard time keeping after this thing is over with. So I know for a lot of folks that's been in business a while or you just got into it, technology seems like something that may not be as important to you, but I guarantee you it will make or break what happens next. There are efficiencies out there being created every day. Don't get stuck in your same old, same old status quo. Uh, sometimes I we used to say it when I was in my, in my, uh, had my retail, you know, business, it was, you get, you get worried about your, your for sure money and don't worry about more money. You think about <laughs> right. that money that's sitting dead in front of you right. and the money you're making and you're not thinking about that money that could be coming in. Yeah, so that is, that's just the reality. You got to focus on, on how to expand your business and not get too bogged down with the crisis that we're in. Absolutely. Well, any any final thoughts uh, around on any of the topics that we've already discussed um, that, that you would like to share with our, our audience? Oh, no, brother. I just want to thank you for taking the time to have me on with you today. And I really appreciate you being on the call we had with TI. I think that was a historic call for a lot of reasons to pull together a lot of good people with a lot of good messages. And you've been at the forefront of that. Your work at the SBDC has been phenomenal. We're lucky to have you in the state of Georgia. We're lucky to have you at SBDC. If anybody you know is looking for technical assistance out there, uh, I hope you just let them know how to find you. We're here to support you 100% of the way. And I look forward to continuing our journey together as we help America recover. Yeah. Yes, sir. And again, definitely appreciate your time. I know you're traveling on the road and, and taking out the time again to speak to the people who need to hear right what, what's available. And, and definitely appreciate the, the relationship and the resource partnership we have uh, between the SBA and the SBDC. So thank you again. And um, thank you to all of our listeners. Um, and again, hopefully again, today um, was some very powerful information to help you navigate forward. And of course, we are available as the SBDC. Um, so if you want to learn more about um, what we can do to help you, just uh, go to our website at www.georgiasbdc.org. And so thanks again and look forward. Um, stay tuned for our next upcoming podcast. You've been listening to Small Business Radio. Again, my name is Paul Wilson, Jr. I'm the area director of the UGA Small Business Development Center at Georgia State University and look forward to talking with you again soon. Today's episode of Atlanta Business Radio is brought to you by OnPay. Built in Atlanta, OnPay is the top-rated payroll and HR software anywhere. Get one month free at OnPay.com. 